Welcome to the Foreclosure Deals Coach Podcast, your home for the mindset, methodology, and tools needed to be a successful foreclosure acquisition specialist. And now your host, the Foreclosure Deals Coach, Donnie Corum. Hello and welcome back to the Foreclosure Deals Coach Podcast. This is your host, Donnie Corum, your Foreclosure Deals Coach. And as always, we are broadcasting from the Boomerang Studios right here in downtown Denver, Colorado. And on my side, my main man, my producer, Mr. Jonathan Woodson. What's going on, Jay? Man, you know, it's uh, it's a new year. You know, we finally made it through January. It seemed like a year in, in itself. So I'm just glad that, you know, we've got a little bit more and uh, we've got more foreclosures and deals to bring through. So let's Absolutely, do it. man. A lot of stuff going on in the deal marketplace. And, you know, a lot of that's driven... By the politics that are going on, did you check out that, uh, that State of the Union? Did you watch that? Uh, I don't like watching circuses and clowns, so usually <laughs> I just like avoid stuff like that. Yeah, listen, I did watch it. I got to tell you, it, it, did, that was, it was really a hell of a show. I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to say anything positive or negative. Instead, I'm just going to say that was a hell of a show. It's like, you get a medal, and you get an award. You know, And there was a Tuskegee Airman. The guy had been you know, 100 years old. He had just turned 100 years old. Right, and, uh, and Trump awarded him with a, a Medal of Honor, which I thought was pretty cool. Got ahead, it was a hell of a show, but it, no real politics to it. Like you said, just kind of a, a circus with some, some various actors and clowns and things of that nature. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Uh, let's get to it. Let's get to it. As always, we open the show with an a article related to what's going on in the foreclosure marketplace. And I pulled up a really cool article. Check it out on the Foreclosure Deals Coach Facebook page, How Fannie and Freddie Work to Prevent Foreclosures. Now, we're on this show a lot, and we often talk about how exciting it is for our wonderful listeners to buy a foreclosure and the benefits of doing so. If you listen to a very recent episode we did, we had a guy on the show, my buddy Locke. Hope you're still listening to the show, man. It didn't piss you off too bad. Hmm. We went into detail on what happens if you don't buy a deal. And then life has its way of turning things around. You may end up in foreclosure. And I don't want to make light of that. Anybody losing their home, this is something we take very seriously. And this article goes into how Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac work to prevent people from going into foreclosures. Just kind of giving the opener, in October of 2019, they completed 9,082 foreclosure prevention actions. Basically, they worked with people who were in a situation and helped them to get out of that situation so they did not lose their home. And guys, I got to tell you, that would be the goal, right? It would be awesome if we did not need to have the Foreclosure Deals Coach podcast. It would be awesome if nobody ever lost their home to foreclosure and that was never a problem, but it's also not realistic, okay? Situations change, people get into a jam, and when they do... There's an opportunity there for the guy who now has lost his equity in his home and has lost it to the bank for somebody else to come along and gain from that situation. We don't, we're not happy about it, don't get me wrong, but it is a reality of a marketplace where people are borrowing $300,000, dollars $500,000 on a lick and they're counting on having a job 
or a marriage or a same situation for 30 plus years, but I think anybody listening to the show can relate to life as a way of changing, right? A lot. So a lot. Got to be ready. You got to be ready. So what happens if you get in a situation, Fannie and Freddie have worked out a loan modification program because they don't want to foreclose on these houses. Believe it or not, the big bad banks that we talk a lot of smack about sometimes, you know, we hate the banking institution, but A, we need them. Because you definitely, most of you anyway, don't have 300, 400, 500 grand sitting in a bank out there right now where you can buy a home in cash. And even if you could, with rates in the fours and below, it wouldn't make sense to pay cash for a property even if you could, right? So when you're in a situation, you, you can now work with the lenders, these Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae uh, back loans to modify your loan so you can hold on to the property. Sometimes they roll your back payments into the property, so you're caught up, right? Sometimes they adjust your interest rate. The situation depends on your situation, but my point in sharing this is, A, check out this article. I won't read it all for you here. Go on to Foreclosure Deals Code, check out the article. But also, don't wait until the last minute if you're in a situation to get out of that situation. Quite recently, we had a situation where a a person called one of our wholesalers or somebody who finds deals in the marketplace and said, I'm in foreclosure, I'm going to be at the foreclosure auction. I need you guys' help. And, of course, we're glad to help. When's the foreclosure auction? Day after tomorrow. Wait, 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 what? Yeah, it's Wednesday. This thing goes to foreclosure auction for right in. Hmm. Now, I should have called early. Way earlier, right? Yeah. Because there are situations where normally, if you hadn't waited, in this case, they were almost a year behind in payments, okay? So a whole year to plan ahead. But I got to tell you, my experience with foreclosures and most people that end up in foreclosure is what I call the ostrich method. And it's basically pretending like nothing is happening and sticking your head in the sand, praying that whatever financial situation you're in that's caused you to get behind on payments is going to just go away. Okay. What we know from years of experience as it relates to money, the banks are far more persistent than your ability to stick your head in the sand if definitely didn't happen. Okay? <laughs> I can assure you that when you come up for air, and you got to breathe eventually. Eventually. You're going to find out the situation has not only not gone away, as you were hoping, but has probably gotten worse by exasperated amounts because you did not take the time to go protect yourself in the situation. So I wanted to get some news out there that it's not all about being happy about seeing people ending up in foreclosure, but rather helping you if you're in that situation to know that there's almost always a solution other than foreclosure. You can certainly do one of these loan modification programs with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac or whatever, whoever your lender is, right? That's option one. You could list the property on the market. This house was not in bad shape. The reality is, if they had just listed the property six, eight months earlier, they not only would have avoided the pending foreclosure action, but would have left with a whole bunch of money to restart their life elsewhere. Okay? But when you're getting down to two days, the very best the investor could do to help this person out was to buy the property prior to it going into foreclosure. That was all that was left, right? So the seller ended up with nothing, the investor got an awesome house that didn't need much work and then immediately resold it as a pro- at a profit because that's what we do here, right? And the seller, the only benefit the seller really could report is that now, because there was no foreclosure on the record, but rather it's an extensive amount of mortgage lates, they can now, in about a year, maybe two, their credit will improve, and because they don't have that big, bad foreclosure blurring on their credit report, they can try this again. 
right? And that's the one upside to, to an investor coming in there under this case. However, if they listed it and sold it with an agent, they could have profited from it. If they did a loan modification, they might have been to keep it, right? And if they simply, if you get in a jam and there just aren't any other options, the other option is always go ahead and... Telephone, who is it? Who is this? <laughs> Live show, man. It just it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other option is to go ahead and call that investor in and we can help you out with that situation. But please don't wait till the last minute. You know, multiple options behind doing that. So to that end, we want to talk about, you know, we'll go over the theory of analyzing a deal a lot and valuation. And I have to tell you that most people understand price, right? You can go on the market and understand what a, a house is priced at, but that doesn't necessarily speak to value. And I'm not going to knock agents out there, but the vast majority of agents have been in the business for five years or less. And of course, they understand price, they live with price all day long, but very few understand valuation. So we're going to dig deep a little today and go into the valuation model so you can understand what a property is worth. And rather than giving you a theory, we're going to use a property we actually closed on with an investor today. So you're going to get real-world analysis on a property that was purchased in a distressed sale situation and now is available as a foreclosure. You know, it's something that you can buy as a deal. Not necessarily foreclosure is not bank-owned, but you can buy this property under market because they are out there. But how do you know if it's a good deal? Well, I'll tell you, the property is on Palmer Park in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Now, all right. although we're based out of Denver here, we do a lot of deals in the Colorado Springs marketplace because that's where the money is at right now. Hey, we follow the money, so you can't blame us. You can't blame us. So if you're in a spot right now where you're like, hey, my market's so hot, man. I can't find any deals out there, bro. I'm going to tell you, look at another market. Mm-hmm. Right? If you're looking to buy a deal, it should not matter where it's located. Yeah, my job's in this town, I'm in that town. Are you looking to buy a house or a deal? Because if you're looking to buy a deal, location gets thrown out a little bit. Okay, You don't want to be in a horrible neighborhood where there are the gang shootouts every single morning or anything like that. But neighborhood gets thrown out of the equation just a little bit too. Okay, for What sure. you're looking at is the difference between what you are paying for that property and what that property is worth on the marketplace, not speculating what it could be worth two, three years down the road because my crystal ball's broken. I can't speak for yours, but we don't really know what the market's going to do right now. We've got some speculation, right? A Trump impeachment, my vote was that's going to drive, believe it or not, that would have changed the economy to a section that would have pushed market prices downward. My opinion, right? But the reality is we don't honestly know. Now that he's staying in office and may or may not get reelected, we, what we do know is things are going to be different than they were before, right? And what does different mean? Our price is going to go up. Our price is going to come down. I don't know. But what I do know is that if you're buying a property correctly, you don't need to care that much. Sounds good, man. Right? So this Palmer Park property that you right now can purchase, and I I promise you, by the time you probably heard this podcast, we get a lot of live views, but the reality is by the time you're hearing this, this house will be gone. Going, going, gone. Because it happens just that fast. Okay, But a real-world analysis of a property you could have bought, or maybe still can if you get involved really fast here, but it will probably be sold by the time you hear this. Purchase price, $300,000, which you can get this house for. Now, right out of the gate, if you had asked my parents whether a property on Palmer Park, which is not a bad area, okay, 2,100 square foot house, mm-hmm. 
four bedrooms, three baths, one car garage. If you had asked them what that house was worth even five years ago, the answer would comfortably have been in retail condition, 275, 280. Right? Okay. Now the foreclosure price, the below market price <laughs> is 300 grand. Right? Is it a good deal? Well, all signs say, man, that's a lot. Right? That's a lot of money for a house, especially since it was 275 just a few short years ago. But what you have to do is not just look at price, but rather valuation. So we're going to do that right now. The first step in doing the valuation on Palmer Park is to know where the property is. You've got to understand your neighborhood. Now, depending on where you are in the country, in Colorado Springs and in Denver, we have sub-areas, neighborhoods, subdivisions. However you describe it in your area is kind of up to you guys, but there's an area that surrounds it. In this case, Palmer Park is located, and you can usually find it in the tax records on the property. So there's a legal description on pretty much every property out there. I'm guessing your area is not too much different, but it's going to read like this. Lot 1, Block 2, Rustic Hills Subdivision Parcel four or something like that, okay. right? So that's the breakdown. What we took out of that is not the numbers that have to do with the lot and block because none of that's super relevant, but rather the area identifier that was in between, which in this case was Rustic Hills. So step one is knowing Rustic Hills. You've got to look at comps in the same neighborhood because although there may be a neighborhood literally on the opposite side of the street, and this is the case here, Rustic Hills on one half of Palmer Park is Rustic Hills. The opposite side is an entirely different area, right? Mm -hmm. You cross the street, it's a whole other area. Are the comps violently different between those two areas? Probably not, but they could be, mm -hmm. right? And you gotta be very careful when you're trying to do a valuation assessment that you're not comping against a neighborhood that has features that you don't have, maybe like a gated community, or just in general, way more expensive houses, right? So you really wanna start with the neighborhood. If you can't get the neighborhood, or if the neighborhood is so small, and this happens in a lot of cases, that there's not that many comparable sales, we shorten that to comps, to use as a data analysis tool, then you can expand out to zip code. If that's not a really huge zip code, you gotta be careful with that, but you wanna start at neighborhood and know where your property is. Ideally, you can run comparable sales in that neighborhood, so you're looking at sold comps in the Rustic Hills neighborhood. Now, where are you gonna get those sold comps? Well, that's where it gets a little dicey, because on the MLS, as agents, we have pretty easy access to the sold comps in the area. That's actually one of the real reasons why I transitioned from full-time investor to real estate agent was to get direct MLS data. Today, however, there are multiple tools out there that can allow you to get your sold comps in your neighborhood without being an agent, so you don't necessarily need to go through that level of involvement if you don't want to. One of those, and although we're not a big fan of this website, but it does provide a decent amount of data, is Zillow. Now, I want you to listen, I know, I know, but listen carefully here. Don't rely just on Zillow for anything, okay? Zillow lies. Period, dot, the end, okay? However, if you're just trying to get a general neighborhood analysis of the Rustic Hills neighborhood, you might pick up some data from that. Furthermore, there are tools like Privy, which is a software application that you can look specifically in area. You can look by radius. Radius is how appraisers work. Okay. They want to go a half a mile around the house location, up to a mile if it's rural, and they will look back at sold comps within the past six months. 
but sometimes radius won't do either, right? So for me, and everybody has a slightly different opinion on valuation, guys. So opinions are like blank. We all have one of them, right. kind of stink. <laughs> the thing about it is, is the valuation that served me very well in my marketplace because I understand the neighborhoods. I understand that one neighborhood identifier is completely different from another neighborhood identifier over years of working in the marketplace, okay? So if you are a layman to this and you're just coming in, this is where it becomes valuable to get not just a real estate agent, but a real estate agent trained in the investment marketplace, trained in the foreclosure marketplace, somebody who understands what's going on in the foreclosure sector of the market. Because most agents got into the business to sell pretty houses in pretty neighborhoods with white picket fences, okay? And I'm not knocking that, but you, the listener of the Foreclosure Deals Coach podcast, are here to find a deal, are you not? So if you're gonna find a deal, you're gonna make sure you're working with an agent that knows what a deal looks like without having to bite him on the ass, right? So it's important to understand that analysis. So we started at neighborhood. If neighborhood doesn't work in Certain situations, you can expand to zip code, but now you know where the property is. We've got that out of the way. We now need to have the sold comps. Comps is short for, short for comparable sales. So you're looking at other properties that sold in that zip code and or neighborhood, however you're doing it, to determine houses that are similar to the property you're looking at. Now, similar is where things get great. I will tell you we start similarity at square footage because I can tell you that it doesn't matter if your house has gold-plated faucets and a helicopter landing pad. It is not going to go for too much more than the average price per square foot of that neighborhood. It simply can't, right? And, and people get caught up on features. Well, my house has a new black stainless steel appliances. Oh, I love so them. Clearly, it's worth more than my neighbor's house. Eh, wrong. No. <laughs> Okay, price per square foot. You want to find properties that are within a 10 to 15% difference in square footage to your subject property. In this case, the property on Palmer Park is just over 2,000 square feet. So I want to see properties going up to 2,200 and going down to 1,800 to find out what has sold in that square footage range. That's important because of economies of scale. You may find a property in there that went for 380, but if it's 3,800 square feet compared to your 2,200 square feet, it is not a comparable sale. Does that make sense? A lot of sense, not comparable at all. It's not comparable. So I try to compare your Ferrari to the Volkswagen. Like they're both cars. But I want that Ferrari, man. But you want the Ferrari, you see what I'm saying? And the Ferrari came to a different valuation model than the Volkswagen. It just does. They both provide the same purpose, but if you're looking at an apples to oranges comparison, you're gonna find yourself buying a house that's not a good deal. A quick analysis of the Rustic Hills neighborhood finds comps in that area that have sold with that similar square footage for, here's one for 327.9, right? That wasn't super updated, but pretty nice. Here's one that went all up to 345, okay. very similar in square footage. And then there's a couple of low ball sales, because in every market there's low ball sales. Right? A couple that went for 280 or 290. How do we decide which comparable we're gonna use? Well, it depends on the condition of the house. And not necessarily the condition of the house now, but the condition you intend to sell it at in the future. We're not speculating, we're simply saying that if you're buying a foreclosure, you are likely doing so so you can improve that property. Somewhat, 
right? right? So if you're going to improve the home, you know you're going to paint it, you know you're going to carpet it, you might be replacing the cabinets. And again, if you're not going to do those things, why are you buying a foreclosure, right? If you just bought a house to you know live in a crappy house, it, okay, I guess you can get it cheaper. That's <laughs> nice too. But the goal, I think, the reason why I think you listen to the show is because you're trying to find out how to take a house and you're a Home Depot warrior, right? You're the kind of guy who loves to paint. I'm not that guy, right? You're the kind of guy who understands plumbing and things of that nature, electrical, and you want to improve the house to get it at or above current standards so you can benefit. So we found some comps all over the spectrum, but the ones that are improved seem to be going from about 340 to 345. Okay? And we've done that analysis by looking at every sale that happened, an appraiser goes back six months. When I'm doing the valuation, I want to go back after 12 months to get a full trend analysis of what's happening in that area. Okay? So we have that, and we know that we got 340 to 345. But wait, that's not all. See, now we have to adjust for a condition things you can't fix. Okay. Right? And one of the things you can't fix on this Palmer Park property, if you're a Colorado Springs resident, then you know this, is that Palmer Park is on a very busy road. Right? And don't put on blinders to these things, okay? Don't go, it's a gorgeous house, but it's on this road. Listen, things like road noise, and gentlemen, ask yourself, if you're buying this house, the same house on a, a quiet street, are you going to pay more for the one on the quiet street or the one on the busy street? Pretty obvious answer, right? But you gotta factor that in. So this property on Palmer Park, if it were pretty much anywhere else, would be worth 340 to 345, right? Cause we did that calculation. Rustic Hills neighborhood, price per square foot, 2,000 or so square feet, going for 340 to 345. But when you factor in this busy road it's on, you have to adjust for that. And appraisers adjust for all sorts of stuff. They can adjust for the view. Don't go too far with this, okay? Because the views are not worth, there literally is no such thing as a million dollar view. That cannot be done, right? <laughs> it sounds wonderful, but it's an industry term. Right? Yeah, don't get sold with that, please. Don't get sold with that, please. We can adjust on garage, one car versus two car, right? And that adjustment is generally five, 10, 15 grand, depending on the market. You look at the comps, what one cars go for versus the two car, and you start to see signs of what this property should go for with a one car versus a two car. It's definitely worth less than it is if it had a two-car, right? But more than it would be with no garage at all. That jump between no garage at all to one car is much smaller than the jump between, sorry, no garage at all to one car is a much larger jump, excuse me, than having a one-car to two-car. So there's a variable there, but it's a huge difference if you have no garage at all. People will pay a lot more for a property with a garage for obvious reasons, right? So we've adjusted for street. We've adjusted for one car versus two car. And then we actually are looking at other condition items to come up with. Again, if this house was based anywhere else in the Rustic Hills neighborhood, probably 340 or 345, but because it's sitting on Palmer Park, this busier street, the most we can expect to get for it realistically in today's market, not speculating on the future market, don't find yourself a speculator. You buy equity on this show. We teach you how to find a deal out of the gate. Right, this house today is worth 330 grand, just like that. So you bought it for 300, and it's worth 330 thousand dollars. You can literally do a little bit of touch up, a little bit of paint, perhaps carpet it, put it back on the market for 330, and profit from that sale with 30 grand in gross benefit right out of the gate. Right, and that's what a deal looks like, guys. 
You know, and we try to keep these shows relatively short and sweet, you know, 20-minute marks where we aim for, but I really wanted to take some time with you today and go over how important it is to understand a real-world valuation of the property you're looking at. And look, we, we do this because I want you to reach out to me. If you're having trouble running the comps, you're not sure what a property is worth, please reach on out to me, you know. Find me on LinkedIn, Donnie Coram, D-O-N-N-Y-C-O-R-A-M on LinkedIn. Hit us up on the Foreclosure Deals Coach podcast page on Facebook or just find a way to reach out. I get valuation requests all the time and I'm more than happy to make sure you're not speculating your way into a bad situation down the road and becoming a foreclosure. We can avoid that. More importantly, I want to help you to make sure you're buying a great deal on your property, because that's honestly what this show is all about. And whether you're buying that deal to be an investor who's going to flip that property, buy it, fix it up, sell it, or a homeowner who's just going to live in the home and wants to make sure that should the market turn, you have equity built in, that's another option. Or a third one is you want to buy below market so you can do an FHA 203K loan, which is basically a loan where you can finance in the repairs of the home. Let's say you like it in the condition it's in, but you've got 30 grand worth of spread, so you want to paint it, you want to carpet it, you want those black stainless steel appliances, you also want an 80-inch TV, a home theater, and a helicopter landing pad. See how oh. you got in the hand there? Oh, man, wow. Well, nuts back there, right? If you've got the equity to do it, you can do it. If you're buying at the top of the market and there's no equity, you have found yourself stuck in that position till the market comes up, or you pay the property down. But if you're buying it right to begin with, you have multiple options, including selling the home, long before you're in trouble, you'll have equity in the property to walk away. That's the whole essence of the show. So we're gonna wrap up here, because we promise to keep these short and sweet, but I hope you got something out of this. Hope you learned something about valuation and how to figure out what the property is worth. It is so important to understand that you're not just buying a place to live. You're buying a financial tool that done correctly, you can take that equity, roll it into your next property. Take the equity from that property, roll it into the next property, and now five, six, seven moves down the road, maybe you can be paying cash for a home instead of worrying about making a mortgage payment for the next 30 years, all by buying a great deal on a property. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up with the same way we always wrap this up, right here at Boomerang Studios, encouraging you to understand that when you're out there shopping for a property, don't you dare buy a house. Buy a deal. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you guys next time. <laughs>